Good morning, Grace. My name is David Landis. I'm one of the elders here, and I'm thrilled to be able to speak to you from God's Word this morning. This morning, we are going to be in the book of 1 John. 1 John, specifically chapter 4, starting in verse 7. If you would turn in your Bibles to that spot, it's near the back of your Bible near Revelation. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you in one of the chairs. You can grab that as well. So we're going to begin with John's words from 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, if you would follow along with me. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If you've ever read the book of 1 John in its entirety, and I would encourage you to do that. It's a very short book, but it's such a powerful book. You know that one of the strong messages that John is trying to get across to us is to love one another. 1 John 3.11, John said, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. A few verses later, 1 John 3.23, and this is his command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. And then in 1 John 4, verse 21, and he has given us this command, whoever loves must also, I'm sorry, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I hope that as you listen this morning, the beautiful singing that we had uh, to intro this time of worship, sometimes we can get more out of the singing than out of the word or vice versa, but I really want you to take in all of it. I love Kyle and his team. They did an amazing job this morning leading us to the truth that God is love. And we're going to talk about that today, his perfect agape love. So would you, uh, let's commit this time to the Lord and would you pray with me? God, we are grateful for this time where we can focus on the greatest love in the universe, the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, we desire to know how long and wide and high and deep is the love of God. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we might be filled to the full measure of what you want in our lives. God, we ask that you would please bless this time. Open our hearts, open our minds, and allow us to receive the love that you have for us and to share that with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, as many of you know, there are four types of love spoken about in the Bible. Our English language is very limited. We say, I love ice cream, I love my dog, I love my wife, and they all mean different things. In the Bible, there's actually four words for love that we find. Eros, meaning romantic type of love. We're not going to be speaking about that this morning. Phileo, which is brotherly love. I grew up in the city of Philadelphia, outside of it, which is the city of brotherly shove. If you've ever been to Philadelphia, you know what I mean by that. Uh, And then you have storge, which is love between family members, a love that a mother has for her child or the the love that a brother has for a brother or a father has for a son or whatever it might be. And then you have agape love, which is this unique love that doesn't exist anywhere except in the heart of God and Him giving it to us. It's this life-giving love. That's, this is the love that we're going to focus on this morning. And there's three points that I want to make this morning. The first one is this from our scripture that we've read. Love responds in relationship. Love responds in relationship. You know, in today's culture, we hear a lot about self-care and self-love. And because of all the pain in individual lives that we have in our culture today, I believe that many believe that the concept of loving yourself precedes loving others. And you can't really love others unless you love yourself. And this belief has gained a lot of strength and prominence. And unfortunately, this can lead to a narcissistic view of love that focuses on how I'm doing more than how others are doing around me. God shows us that love, like forgiveness, is actually a choice. It's an act of the will. And we know this because John 3.16 tells us plainly, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever might believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God chose to love us by sending Jesus. And then Jesus chose to love us by dying for us. In Romans 5.8, Paul tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I would argue that you can love even when you do not, do not feel like loving. Young mothers know this. Getting up to nurse and change a fussy baby at 3 a.m., is an act of love, but it's also an act of the will, a choice that is made. Self-care for young mothers can look a lot different. Just going to Walmart by yourself is self-care, right? Our church tells us rightly and biblically every week to love God, love people, and lead others to do the same. Even though we must choose to love, we will never find the resource to resources to love anyone else outside of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. John tells us in verse 7 of our text, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. When believers experience God's genuine agape love, they are able to love others and make a difference in the lives of those around them. 
God designed love to flow from him through us to others. This is why love responds in relationship. You know, I started a new job June 1st of this past year. And from the very first day, it was, it was difficult. Uh, morale was down. Budgets were tight. Um, had to deal with COVID. There were all kinds of pressures and hours that I had to put in. I was working from about 7.30 in the morning to 7.30 at night every day. And this was in the summer, which is normally a slower time. And this past summer, my wife and I have lived in our house for about 10 years here in Newton. Had not painted the house in 10 years. I know some of you are like, that's, a, that's not good. You're right, it's not. It was starting to fade, and I was like, you know, we really need to paint the house. I, I don't mind painting. I've painted houses before. I, I actually enjoy painting. But I told Stacy, I don't have time to paint this summer. We're going to have to hire somebody to do it. So we found a guy, had the right price, and he said he could do it. And uh, we agreed on a price, and he said, oh, by the way, listen, if I, I'm going to need the house to be power washed before I paint. So if you can't power wash it, I'll power wash it, but I'm going to charge you an extra $300. I said, no problem. I have a power washer. I'll power wash the house. So things got so busy that the week that this gentleman was going to show up, he was going to show up on a Saturday, uh, I could see by Tuesday my schedule was not going to allow me to power wash the house. I was getting home about the time it was dark. So I was, I just, in my mind, I had just resigned myself to the fact that we're just going to pay the extra 300 bucks and call it good. The other thing you have to remember in this story is I inherited my power washer from my dad. Okay, so this power washer is not brand new, and it usually one of the tires is always flat. Uh, it has a really finicky choke, and it's hard to start. You have to really get that thing going and then baby the choke to where the pressure is right. It's, it's not easy is all I'm trying to say. I can do it, and I've done it several times, but uh, anyway, it's, it's a difficult little power washer. So fast forward to Thursday evening, Stacy and I are eating dinner, and she just kind of casually says, oh, by the way, David, I power washed the house today. My mouth dropped open. I said, you power washed the house? You have to understand this about my wife, too. She does not like to get cold and wet, okay? And somehow, she got that crazy power washer started and didn't just power wash one side of the house. She power washed the whole thing. She was up on a ladder. She said, she, I had my eyes closed, and I was just spraying back and forth, getting soaked. And I looked at her. I said, I have never been more attracted to you in my life. <laughs> I mean, I could not believe it. You could argue that Stacy was showing me phileo love, right? That she was saying, I want to do something for my best friend. You could argue that she was showing storge love. I want to support my husband because I know he's busy right now. I would argue with you that she showed me agape love because her actions were life-giving to me. They gave me hope and they pointed me to the selfless love of God that brings life. You see, the object of my wife's love was not the house, and it, the object of her love was not even saving $300. The object of her love was me. And when someone, when you're the object of someone's selfless love, it is truly life-giving. You know, I worked for many years with a 
guy who's a member of this church, Galen Unruh, and over two years, he built his own house while he was working full-time, and then the very next, he, he didn't even stop. As soon as he finished, they dug the foundation for his parents' house, and he built that house for them. And if you know anything about school administration, you don't work 40 hours a week. It's usually 50 or 60. And one day I asked him, I said, how are you doing this? How are you working hard here and every spare moment is building this house for your parents? He said, David, the only way you can do this is because you love somebody. That's the only thing that keeps you going. You know, friends, we are the object of God's love. Romans 8.32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Our mouths should fall open when we realize God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. God's goal of love is a relationship with you. You are the object of his amazing love. Well, secondly... Love requires a sacrifice. We need to remember that true and genuine love always requires sacrifice, which means to forsake or part ways with something or someone else. You know, I love going to weddings where the bride and the groom use what I would call traditional vows. And I know that in today's culture, it's more cool to make up your own vows and things like that, but I love the old traditional wedding vows and when I hear them I always get a little misty-eyed because at some point in the wedding the pastor is going to turn toward the groom and say do you promise to love her comfort her honor and keep her for better or worse for richer or poorer in sickness and health and forsaking all others be faithful only to her for as long as you both shall live this means that the groom is being asked to make one person on the planet the object of his love and to sacrifice all other relationships as he builds this new life with his bride. You know, God asks us to do the same thing with Jesus Christ. And this involves sacrifice. The book of Acts tells us about Saul of Tarsus. You remember Saul. He, was, he encountered Jesus on the road to Emmaus. The book of Acts tells us. And he saw this bright light. He actually, after his encounter with Christ, was blinded, could not see, and he saw in a vision a man named Ananias was going to come and lay his hands on him and, and restore his sight. Well, of course, God visits Ananias as well and says, listen, I want you to go to this house, and there's a man named Saul, and I want you to pray for him, and uh, he knows you're coming because I've given him a vision. And I'm paraphrasing all this, of course, but Ananias says something like, God, we know about Saul. We've heard about this guy. We've heard many reports, and none of them are good. This guy is a bad guy. And God says this to Ananias in Acts 9.16. He says, I will show him, meaning Saul, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Saul, who became Paul, from a worldly perspective he sacrificed everything to follow Jesus everything he lost his reputation he lost his career he lost his wealth he lost his health he lost his freedom and ultimately he lost his life 
to love and serve Jesus Christ. You know, we think that that type of sacrifice is really just for uber-spiritual people like Paul, who, uh, you know, I mean, he wrote half the New Testament. He's amazing. and Yes, God would expect that of him, but not of me. But you know, God expects and commands sacrifice from all of us. 1 John 2.15 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Satan will try to tell you that you can have many loves in your life. You don't have to sacrifice anything. You can love most everything in the world and enjoy it all and still love God. Friends, can I tell you, we are fools if we believe that lie. The Bible tells us that the world order and everything in it is under the control of our enemy, the devil. 1 John, or I'm sorry, John 10.10, Jesus said what Satan's plan really is. He said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan would love to destroy everything we truly value in our lives. He wants us to trade everything of infinite value and eternal value for something that is temporary and worthless. You know, we judge Esau for trading his birthright for a a bowl of soup. But in many ways, we do the same thing. We judge him too harshly. C.S. Lewis once said this, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a sea, we are far too easily pleased. Most of us spend way too much time on our phones or in front of a screen. Watching, reading, and ingesting messages that not only don't bring us life, but solid research now tells us brings us anxiety, depression, and hopelessness. And yet, we continue to play in the mud. God has so much more for us. And you know what? I'm not lecturing you. I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. I can't do my job without my phone and my computer. But I'm saying we should take a hard look at what we're doing with our time, with our lives, what we're investing in, what we are truly loving by showing what time we're spending. This weekend we buried my wife's father and there is nothing like the death of a loved one to bring into focus what is truly important in life. We forget so quickly that the path to finding and experiencing True love is to follow Jesus on the path of sacrificial love. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 says this, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That word atoning sacrifice is lost sometimes if you don't know the background. Yom Yom Kippur is the highest Jewish holy day. It became known as the Day of Atonement. In the autumn, ten days after the beginning of the Jewish New Year, the high priest 
on this day and only this day, would put on a new linen robe. He would sacrifice a perfect lamb. He would walk into the tabernacle, the most holy place, or the holy of holies, and sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat or the Ark of the Covenant. Once this was done, he would come out of the most holy place and he and the others would lay their hands on a goat and confess the sins of the nation. Then that goat would be driven into the wilderness away uh, from the people of Israel. This was to show and signify that God's wrath was on that animal and that the, their sin and the wrath was carried far away from them. This little goat became known as the scapegoat. This process was repeated year after year. Well, on the cross, which is our day of atonement, this was accomplished once and for all through Jesus Christ. Think about this. Jesus came as the high priest. He presented his own body as the perfect sacrifice and shed his own blood to be poured out on behalf of our sins. And then he bore God's wrath for us and then was driven from the presence of God. He was crucified outside the city of, of Jerusalem, but he was also forsaken by the Father. All at the same time. One Christian author has said that only in the cross does one see evil, justice, sacrifice, forgiveness, and love in one moment in history in one person. Love responds in relationship. Love requires a sacrifice. And thirdly, love reproduces new life. 1 John 4.11 tells us, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Our response to the amazing love that God has for us has to be, has to be to love one another. Let me tell you the story of Richard Manning. Richard Francis Manning was born in 1934 and grew up in New York City, specifically in the borough of Bronx, New York. He, uh, Richard had a best friend named Ray Brennan. Most of you probably had a good friend in elementary school, and Ray and Richard were great friends, best friends. They went to the same elementary school. Then they went to the same junior high school. Then they went to the same high school. When they turned 16 and had enough money pulled together to buy a car, they pulled their money, bought a car together, went on double dates together. When the Korean War broke out in the 1950s, they both enlisted to the Marine Corps on the same day. They went through boot camp together in the same place and then were assigned to the same unit and fought together in the Korean War. Kind of remarkable. Well, one night while sitting in a foxhole, Richard was reminiscing about the good old days in New York City while Ray listened and ate a chocolate bar. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a grenade, live grenade, landed right next to Ray. Ray looked at Richard, then took the grenade, looked back at his friend and winked dropped his chocolate bar and threw himself on top of the live grenade. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that he, than he should lay down his life for his friends. After the war, Richard became a Catholic priest. 
he was encouraged to take on the name of a saint. He thought of his friend immediately. He thought of Ray Brennan. So he took on the name Brennan as his first name, and he became known as Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning was given life by the love and sacrifice of his friend Ray and literally became a new person when he trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, this new life that God gives us through Christ is like the Japanese art form of kintsuji. This practice remakes worthless and broken pottery and repairs it with gold and lacquer, clearly displaying the cracks and deformities. Instead of trying to hide and ignore that the pottery was shattered, this art form creates something even more beautiful and unique that could have not been crafted unless it had been broken and then carefully restored. And you know, God is in the business of taking broken people like you and me and making something beautiful out of our broken lives. Isaiah 61 tells us that if we will trust Jesus with our lives, he will give us a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So this morning, please don't worry if your life isn't perfect. If you're sad or depressed, if things are broken in your life, if things are imperfect, if you still have fears or faults or failures, Jesus has made you the object of his love. And he wants a relationship with you. He showed you his love by sacrificing his perfect life for you. And he offers this life as an atoning sacrifice for your sins that you could never pay. So if you trust him, he will give you a truly new life. And once you've received that new life, your Savior gives you a miraculous new capacity to love the people around you. Everyone in this room who has trusted Jesus as their Savior and has walked with him for years can testify that although what I'm telling you seems too good to be true, it's true. Amen? May God give us all the grace to receive God's amazing love and to love one another as Jesus loved us. Pastor Jack, would you come up and close us, please? If you want to thank God for speaking to us through David Landis, would you just show your appreciation? You have heard the invitation, and I'm up here wanting to pray with you and invite you. There is someone in this room, there's got to be somebody, more than one maybe, in this room that you know that you are not right with God, that you are not a Christian, not a believer yet. And maybe you've struggled with this, maybe you've struggled with this idea that you have not received this love and you've never asked God to forgive you for your sins. You've not trusted in him for salvation. Today is the day of salvation. I want to invite you as we pray uh, to pray and ask God. And it's so simple. It takes your whole heart, but it's simple. The words, if you believe that God sent his son Jesus to die and be the sacrifice for your sins, and you confess with your mouth, if you tell him, he can hear the thoughts of your heart, he hears your words, he knows all things. 
If you tell him, God, please forgive me of my sin. I believe in Jesus. I want to put my faith, my trust in him to make me right with you. God says you will be saved. You will be saved if you believe in him. And so I'm going to pray. I want to invite you to stand. If you would stand. I'm going to, I'm going to pray and the worship band is going to come up. They have one more song. While we're singing this song, if you want to pray, if you want to pray with an elder, a pastor, I'm going to be up here and I'm going to invite any other previous elders, and even if you're not an active elder today, uh, any elders that want to come up to the front, we would love to pray with you. Some of you, you are Christians, but you know there's some disconnect between you and God. Would you take this time to, to pray? And if you'd like to pray with us, we'd love to pray with you. We'll be standing right up front. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word that is so sure. It brings new life. It's powerful. And so would you convict our hearts of sin, judgment, and righteousness, and would you be with all those that are hearing online and in this room? Would you use this time now to minister to us? We love you because you first loved us, and your love is so great. It is your kindness that leads us to repentance. And so we pray for true godly sorrow that will lead to repentance. And for those in here that need your hand of ministry through your body, would you use that and work through us now? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.